the, some other alternate universe casting we could have had as Jack, uh, Robert De Niro. Oh, hell yeah. Robin Williams. And the story goes that he watched. What? I'm sorry. My face is like, you can't <laughs> see my face. Just went, what? The story goes that he watched Robert De Niro and Taxi Driver and was like, he's not psychotic enough. Then watched Robin Williams and Morgan Mindy and was like, he's too psychotic. Horror Movie Survival Guide is a weekly podcast where I, Gorehound Julia Marchesi, delves into my horror movie notebook to corrupt another one of my longtime chums, Terry Gamble, who is hiding in the creepy horror closet. My mission is to learn the gospel of horror movie survival and to incorporate Julia's wealth of wisdom to become a final girl disciple. Join us as we take a deep dive into everything from OG horror to newly released films, but preferably classics on VHS. We'll talk about obscure details that no one else notices. Spin off into alternate casting universes, crush on foxy yet dodgy fellows, and creepy uncles, and arm ourselves with the knowledge necessary to become the, the final, final girl. girl. Okay, hi. Hi. Welcome to Horror Movie Survival Do you want to say? Oh my gosh, welcome to Horror Movie Survival Guide. How's that feel? This is so weird and <laughs> strange. Um, hi guys, this is Terry. And this uh, is Julia. Yeah, we're here talking about a new movie, but before we get to that, hi. You got we got a new host. This we is do. weird. I'm new Marion. You're like replacement Marion, right? Yeah. Like, like replacement Jan from yeah. like the Brady Bunch Variety Hour. Our favorite Variety Hour special. If you haven't seen the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, by the way, please you're watch missing it. out on life. Please. <laughs> Brady Bunch is one of these strange, weird obsessions. I wrote a paper about it in fifth grade and in college. Adorable. And um, definitely read Barry Lim's book, you know, um, Big Greg Fan. Hey, Barry, if you're listening. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I love a good replacement situation. Sure. And no one could replace Marion. And, no. you know, she's a big star on to many uh, glorious and lustrous things. Huge star, you guys. And now I have a new uh, person to corrupt, which is one of my joys in life. Oh. Is that I get to show you the horrors that await you. Oh my Are, gosh. I have such sights to show you, Terry. You so many things to see. <laughs> I could show you. Oh but my god. But don't worry about it, everybody, because the notebook's still in play and we will still be doing ones from the notebook. But now we've kind of we're going to broaden our horizons a bit and yeah. kind of anything from any time is up for grabs. And oh my so gosh. we've had so many people ask us, can you do the specific film? And we say we can't, we're constrained by the notebook, but now uh, the doors are opening. And so uh, and the shining crazy enough what we're doing this week yeah uh was not in the notebook so what yeah isn't that weird i didn't even realize this wasn't in the notebook yeah because it's just you know we were confined by what they had at gold star video uh and they didn't have it so but now wow gold star this this is episode 85 about the 1980s the shining uh the title i've never seen before till now she's never seen the shining yes showing you uh horror movies is a delight and so Onward we go to many horrible things, yes. terrific things, to gory horrible things. things. Yes, to horrible things. Uh, so the episode title is You've Always Been the Caretaker. Uh, the tagline for this movie is A Masterpiece of Modern Horror. I don't know if Kubrick put that. I don't know if they're talking about Stephen King. We'll just go on with that. Uh, this movie was made for $19 million. Yep. And it made $44 million. It looks like $19 million. Yeah. Those shots are unbelievable. Yeah, really, really. From beginning to freaking end, like just gorgeous. Stunning, yes. Uh, but Stephen King famously hates does, this movie, does right? not like this movie. He calls this movie a fancy car with no engine. Ooh. That's a burn. That's a sick burn. However, let's let's remember that Stephen King wrote the screenplay for this movie. Kubrick was like, nah, wrote his own. Oh, so, so that's why. I mean, like, if you're getting sidelined that way, 
But he had a lot to do with the TV version that they did yes, later, right? He did. But a lot of what Stephen King didn't like about this movie was the casting. Uh, the casting, uh, Jack Nicholson, because uh, Jack in the book is like a real normal kind of guy who kind of goes mm-hmm. bananas. And this is you meet him and you're like, oh, he's crazy immediately. No, Jack Nicholson's totally normal. I don't know what you're talking about. I mean, <laughs> super hot, like kind of like little twitchy, but like you know, he just wanted. A, he I'm wanted an everyday to- guy. I just every day no. like that's like no, no he's so not weird. His vibe. Uh, and he he also felt that Shelley Duvall was too fragile. The character of Wendy in the book is quite a strong character, uh, so he wanted more of like a Jessica Lange kind of vibe. He was yeah. vote, Stephen King's votes were Jessica Lange for Wendy and John Voight for Jack. <gasps> Ooh, which is kind of interesting. But uh, the I would have been into that. I would have been into that pairing because they're she's tough as yeah. heck. She that would have been a very different interpretation of of this woman. So yes. if you think of like that's what Stephen King had in his head, it's a little bit different. If that's what he's writing, because I'm sure that's what he was like envisioning these people or like envisioning that type of person. And that was the closest. Yeah. But this there, is the opposite. There's some other alternate universe casting we could have had as Jack. Uh, Robert De Niro. Oh, hell yeah. Robin Williams. And the story goes that he watched... What? I'm sorry. My face is like... You can't see my face just... What? The story goes that he watched Robert De Niro in Taxi Driver and was like, he's not psychotic enough. Then watched Robin Williams in Mork and Mindy and was like, he's too psychotic. Um, That's hilarious. <laughs> and yeah, that, I mean, that kind of like shakes down later on in life. I mean, I don't know. Like, maybe... But you think about 1980 Robin Williams, how his career would have been totally different if he was in The Completely. Shining. Completely. But he also... that. Yeah, another he wanted uh, to be dram- dramatic though anyway. Yeah. So that makes and he would have made sense. I think he could have done it. Yeah. Uh, another uh, person could have been. I think this would have been the killer, Harrison Ford. <gasps> to see him go oh. that dark in 1980 would have been superb. Oh, he's I, so hot too. <laughs> yes, he is. And to see him go that kind of crazy, oh my god! I would have been. I would have been broken. <laughs> like, I mean, thank God for Blade Runner or whatever, like, and everything. But like, he doing yeah. this role. Mm-hmm. I would have, yeah, it would have been the poster. I would have seen it sooner, you guys. Oh, yeah. Uh, so the movies yeah. that, so Kubrick also showed some uh, some movies to the cast to get and crew to get them in the mood. Mm-hmm. Uh, the ones that he showed were uh, The Exorcist, Rosemary's Baby, and Eraserhead. Okay. And I'm like, I get the feeling of Eraserhead you want. It doesn't look like Eraserhead in any way, shape, no. or form. But that's okay. I like that he had He just things. was like mood, mood music. Right. It's the playlist, so to speak, of the day, I guess, like trying to get them into it. But this uh, shoot was notoriously hellish, went way over budget, way over. 19 million, clearly. Yes. That sounds like not what you like, would start off with. Six months, over, like went over like six How months. How long did they shoot? It's like uh, somewhere within a year. Um, That's too long. Too long. And he famously like made everybody do hun- like a hundred takes of stuff. Like the. That's why they look crazy. Yeah. And it. Like that of- poor little baby boy, that mm-hmm. little ch- beautiful. Oh. Can we talk about this baby? Yes. Like what? Oh, what that kid must have gone through. Is he okay? Okay. So apparently he's fine because he didn't know he was shooting a horror film. So they cut around it and there's like this, Mm -hmm. there's like the really intense scenes. Like there's like a dummy with him. And so he didn't know what it was. So it was nothing scary. And he was just like, I got to ride around on that tricycle and I get to keep it. So like it was cool with me, you know? Okay. The tricycle shots. So I don't know how they got the ones of him like looking terrified, but apparently he's fine and making that voice like how do you make that voice of all however not Not okay i know so that's the sad part of this movie yeah it is a beautiful piece of cinema and we'll move on from there yeah let's Uh, do that (laughs) i love uh fairytale theater anyway i just have to say that oh it's shelly devall just watch that cut anyone if you haven't already on the internet's a youtube of her doing the intro just saying Hi, I'm Shelley Duvall. And it's just super cut of her saying that over for, and over and over. Yeah, for like five minutes. And it's <laughs> the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. 
<laughs> um, anyway, that's for you, Shelley Duvall fans out there. So this uh, movie starts with a beautiful aerial shot following yes. them driving up their to yellow bug, Le- yellow bug up to the overlook over the overlook, um, which is actually uh, the Timberline Lodge in Mount Hood, Oregon. Oh. Although uh, Stephen King wrote the book The Shining in mm-hmm. the Stanley Hotel, which is in Estes Park, Colorado, mm-hmm. was staying in room 217, uh, which in the book is the room, is 217. So why did we change it to 37? We, we changed it because apparently in the Timberline Lodge where they shot it, there is no room 237, but there is a room 217, and they didn't want people to not want to stay in 217. Got it. Because they would like, be freaked out by it. I wondered about that. I was like, did all the, every hotel have to change their numbers after this movie? Because uh, like no one wants to stay in 237 now. But see, I think they're missing their point because I think everybody would want to stay in that room. They'd be like, oh, uh, it's the room. The true horror if I go to, If I ever go to the Stanley yeah. Hotel, which room do I want to stay in? 217. Completely. Because you know it's 237 for real. Yeah. Got it. Uh, so he goes, So we have Jack Torrance who is mm-hmm. going up to get a job to be the caretaker at the Overlook while they're down season. Right. For five months, they're closed and snowed in. Ooh. And So he has a great interview with the does. guy who looks like Pat Sajak. He does. Straight up, I've been. To, you know, I love Pat City. I, I met him once oh. uh, in Maryland. Yeah, he he's a big. He's in a, Maryland. Yeah, it's where he lives out in like Suburban Park or something. When he's not here, oh, like okay. not too far from where I lived in, in Maryland for a little bit. Anyway, I saw him at a baseball game once. Looks a lot like this guy, Stuart Ullman, um, caretaker guy uh, or what, the head guy. So yeah, he's getting his interview. Totally normal. I'm a school teacher. I, I this is what I do. I'm a writer. Okay, so a little backstory here is that we don't get in the movie, but we do get in the book. Is that uh, the reason that Jack is looking for a new position is because he worked at a place called Stovington Prep, mm-hmm. and he uh, beat a student very badly. Of course. So he was fired, and now he's shamed, and now he can't so get any more academic. Of why he can't get a job anymore. Yes. I was wondering. He's like, I'm just off to write now. I was like, uh huh. He's sure. looking for a change because he has to look for a change because he's no longer hireable as what he was doing. Exactly. Got it. So that's a little backstory for you. All right. And they, gets mm-hmm. the gets the job. Yeah. So uh, we have we, then we meet his wife Wendy and which son. his kid realizes he's got the job before he says he's got the job. Yeah. He's like, yeah, Dad's got it. He's gonna call her in a minute. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we and we first see them together and they're very sweet. She's reading Catch the Rye. They're having peanut butter and jelly and it seems I love quite it. she's idyllic. smoking a cigarette and having a peanut butter and jelly and white bread. Ugh. Smoking and eating at the same time. The 80s, man. You know, you could eat smoke in front of your kid like that. It's <laughs> totally fine. Um, and so then we go back. And so Tony, uh, so we meet Tony, who is Danny's imaginary friend. Um, and he's brushing his teeth and suddenly freaks out and has this vision where he sees the iconic shot, the elevator full of blood, blood. which is one of the most perfect shots in cinema. Like just I could Stunning watch gorgeous. it endlessly on loop. It's so beautiful. Didn't know I was going to love blood so much, but it's beautiful. It is beautiful. Uh, and he sees the twins and he just starts freaking out. And then he comes to with a doctor there his, and he has had some sort of episode. Right. And he's talking about the voice that lives in his it's stomach? No, it's the Tony's the man who lives in his mouth. Lives in his mouth, but he moves to his stomach sometimes yes, when, when he hides. When he hides. Yeah. I was like, oh no, little person. Mm-hmm. Oh no. Yeah, that's pretty scary. So cute, but oh gosh. Yeah, if my little boy was like, oh, my imaginary friend that lives in my mouth, I'd be like, Ugh. Uh, but the doctor said he's fine. There's nothing wrong with him. But he they think she's some sort of auto-hypnosis. Uh, but little did, little do they know the powers that Danny has. Yeah. But we have this um amazing monologue where uh, Dan, the 
Wendy mentions that Danny had had hurt his arm, and they said, "How did he hurt his oh, arm?" Oh yes, and then the reveal that the story that uh, Dad's a little abusive. It sounds like Dad had come home a little drunk and mm-hmm. had found uh, Danny messing with his papers and had yanked him up and dislocated his shoulder. I mean, that's a lot for it's, a little person, and to say that he's been dry now for five months. So we get now that he's a struggling alcoholic who has abusive tendencies. Yes. Without the actual, even knowing now the backstory even more that he got kicked out of the school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, but the Shelly Duvall's like the, the delivery of this monologue that she's had to give, you can tell a couple of times where oh, she's it's practiced. Yes. yes. And it's just, oh, it could happen to anybody. Oh, it was an accident. And it's this very kind of. It's the, I fell down the stairs, like, you know what yeah, I mean, though, like, my, abusive woman, like, yeah, it is conversation, like, she knows the story she needs to tell to, like, make this caseworker, like, be appeased to be like, oh, okay, yes, perfectly normal family. She seems sweet. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they're fine. But she hasn't met, did she, that lady hasn't met Jack, though, has she? No. Like, because if she met Jack, she'd be like, like oh, let's get this kid out of here. There's a problem. Yeah. Um. So, you know, we get, we even before we get to the hotel, we already get that there's something not quite right going on with the family, even though everything on the surface looks okay. So he takes him down to the hotel to mm-hmm. give him the walkthrough to show him everything they're going to be doing in this enormous hotel. I mean, ginormous. And it is gorgeous. Um. And Wendy's very taken with it, but then realizes she has to, like, cook everything in this big kitchen. So I mean, like a massive, like, I mean, this is like cooking for an army in here. Like this place is so big, but beautiful, like the Southwest, like, like native, like mm-hmm. American, like decor and like, it's stunning. And we meet uh, Dick Halloran. Yes. Who is the chef. <laughs> super cool. The sweet old African-American chef. And he shows them around the kitchen. And then as he's talking to Wendy, looks over and mentally talks to Danny. Oh, yeah. That's the moment I was like, oh, no. Oh, no. Okay. I like literally in my notes, I think I was just like, oh, no. Uh, I think that's literally with exclamation mark, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. I was like, oh, no. They're talking in each other's heads. I don't know if this is going to be good or bad. But he makes it seem real cool. He just asked him if he wants some ice ice cream. cream. I was like, okay. But still, I was very concerned. But he, so he, mm-hmm. he he has a conversation with Danny where he asks him about his abilities and where did you get this? He said mm-hmm. him and his grandmother had been able to hold hold whole conversations in their head, mm-hmm. and the grandmother called it shining, which sounds sweet. I was like, oh, okay, that's what the shining is now. Now I'm not as scared, but I'm kind of still freaked out. But it was beautiful though because yeah. he's like sharing, like trying to help the kid and guide him because clearly, um, I was like, oh, this is why partly why you're here because like you needed to be here to have this connection mm-hmm. and realize you're not alone in the world with these like abilities. It's like finding sure. out you're an X-Men or something. Well, I mean, that's, and that's what's so interesting about the book is you really get into Danny's head and like Danny's five and he's trying to figure it out, but he's five and mm-hmm. he doesn't know, he doesn't want to freak his parents out. So he doesn't want to tell them everything. Mm-hmm. And so he's holding a lot in and it's a lot for a five-year-old kid. And yeah. so for this to have someone comfort you and say, oh, okay, mm-hmm. this is, you're not alone. We also have this, but in the mm-hmm. book as well, Danny's already at five, incredibly strong. Mm-hmm. And like way stronger than Dick is. Yeah. Um, so it's a really, I think it's a really nice scene, and and you get to finally see Dick's like he's like their connection, which yeah. is going to come in uh, handy handy later. later on. Thank goodness, right? Um, you really need to watch or not watch, but read Harry Potter. I do. Julia. Why? What does that have to do with anything? Little child with with magic. Like that's basically you're like you love oh, this. Okay. 
Anywho, I know yeah. Julia, that's my thorn. This is my goal. Now that she's gotten me to watch <laughs> scary movies, okay. I'm going to get her to read the Harry Potter at some All point. Right. It'll happen. All right. I got a lot of Stephen King to get through first, though. I so, know you do. Uh, but we also, I haven't, we didn't mention uh, that they, before they leave, Mr. Ullman mentions that the Overlook was built on an Indian burial ground. So we have that. Oh, I know. I heard that. I was like, Stephen oh, King that touch. can't be great. That's no. never a good sign when mm-hmm. you're on an Indian burial ground. We learned that already in Poltergeist and so many yeah. other things. It's like, it's never a good Cut thing. cemeteries into a burial ground. It's yes. just like, it's a, it's a whole mess. So, but Dick also says that the Overlook Hotel itself shines. So there's some sort of psychic ability possibly from this Indian burial ground that's going on. And Danny asks, you know, is there anything bad here? And he says, you know, nothing that can hurt you. It's like pictures in a book, but tells him to stay out of room 237, which Danny has already seen in visions. And he's like, nope. Don't go in that room. But of course, when someone tells you don't go in that room, what do you want to do? You're going to have to go in the room. It's like you show the gun at the beginning. It's going to get shot by the the, the final act, right? Exactly. You've got to have it happen. Uh, but the you know the 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 design of the hotel and the the incredible like tracking shots and just just the shot of Jack Danny on his tricycle riding oh, around riding around and you hear the sound of like the wood and the carpet the wood carpet back and forth the whooshing I mean it is unbelievable and that tracking shot goes on forever because that place is so big and mm-hmm. just I it's it's obviously you guys all know I'm sure guys I'm catching up with you guys it is like it's it's an astounding piece of cinema. <laughs> like the shots are just, it's dreamy gorgeous. The colors are great. Like all of that. I mean, I can't stop, but just shake. I mean, <laughs> like shaking. I'm shaking, shaking about it. So like good. it's so good. Um, but Jack, it, so Danny's kind of freaked out by the hotel obviously, but Jack really loves it and says like, he feels like he's been there before and he never wants to leave there. And there's like, it's already kind of seducing him and luring yeah, him. Yeah. He feels strange comfortable in this place mm-hmm. and I am not I feel very weird about him being so comfortable with it you know as, as well, you watch I, it I feel like you know the the who, whatever the bad spirits are there like see the weakness and that's what they're exploiting yeah. um, and and he falls prey to it pretty soon because he's already you know he, we see him typing in his big room mm-hmm. where he's writing whatever it is he's writing yeah. and starts freaking out and yeah. yelling at Wendy about he's working and get out of there and like get he doesn't f- want her near him anymore and like he just turns like very quickly, he descends into madness, for sure. Yes. Um, I think he just feels welcomed here, honestly. Like, he feels like, his, as you're talking about, he's been kicked out of all these other places. So it's very much uh, like we were talking about la- uh, with The Haunting a mm-hmm. couple weeks ago, where you have, yes. uh, the you know, she feels so comfortable there. It's calling her, and like, this is where I belong. And I think it's like that kind of same. But we know that Stephen King loved that story. So mm-hmm. I think it's very, you know, that similarity is not an accident. Absolutely. Where, like, he feels, yeah, he feels most comfortable here. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't want anything to disturb this 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 beautiful connection he has with this magical place. Right, which they, they are now being snowed into and the phone lines are down. So they have a radio they can contact, forest <sighs> services, but that's all they got. So, Which the forest service um, has Wendy leave on. Like basically it's like that mayday, mayday little, you mm-hmm. know, like um, CB radio that she's left on in the office. Of course, in this massive place. It's almost impossible to cure anything that's going on outside of that room because it's so big. Yes. So the idea of this, I was like, oh, good idea to leave it on. But still, I was like, oh, what are they going to hear? Are they going to hear anything? <laughs> yeah. Like as soon as they said it, I was like, oh, good idea, but bad idea. So uh, Danny sees uh, the infamous twins. So the previous caretaker had mm-hmm. also gone insane and had chopped up his family with an axe. Grady. Yes, Charles Grady. And so we see the twins who are begging Danny to come play with them forever and ever and ever. Danny's a little bit freaked out. He's like, no, girls, uh, I don't think I want to play with you. Uh, That's what I got. That's my subtext. I was like, yeah, no. 
Um, they do not look like the most fun girls to play with. Mm-mm. Like, Especially uh, when you see flashes of them dismembered with axes. Yeah, and like you know, lots like puddles and puddles of puddles of blood. Yeah, um, probably not where you want to go. No, but Danny's a smart kid, and that and like that's what's so cool about him is is he's five, but he can figure shit out and is like on it. You know, he has to. Like he's the only one. Like mom's about to like you know she's very fragile. Mm-hmm. Dad has lost his mind, so he's like, all right, like you know person in my belly or in my throat my mouth whatever like you got to help me figure this out <laughs> you're my only friend now yeah like for real and uh and, and gets to it yeah so we i i think uh one of my f- favorite scenes is the scene where uh there danny goes in to get his fire engine and uh sees jack sitting very strangely on the side of the bed and calls him over and they have this little yes. scene together where you know they're saying kind of normal stuff but you can tell like Danny knows what's up because Danny's shining allows him to not only see things that will happen in the future but also there's a bit of ESP going on so he so knows hear kind of what's happening in he his knows mind, what's maybe. going on in his head and mm-hmm. so he you know and in the book a lot there's there's a lot of him of like he has this barrier where he doesn't want to be impolite he doesn't want to like intrude on other people's thoughts but he can read them right so, so that's why he's like so measured yes like, that's what why he says like, like, okay dad like, sure dad uh-huh. you would never hurt us right dad but he knows what's up with dad and oh. i can't imagine how terrifying that would be as a kid like you're you can see your parents starting to turn and you have nowhere to go like what do you do and so but final final kid instincts i think <laughs> final boy full on final boy final kid like so brilliant uh, yeah and so then we have uh, Jack starting to kind of wander into the bar area of The Shining, the overlook. <coughs> where does an alcoholic need to go most? Not the bar, but where he's going to go to the bar. Right. Which Hold is, on. you know, there's no alcohol there. They've cleaned it out. And yet. In this beautiful gold room, this is Julia's favorite place, I think, in the whole place. Because it's literally the carpet is oh, like, can we so just take groovy. a moment to talk about this carpet? I love this carpet. The pink, I mean, orange, yellow, gold like situation. So this is how uh, obsessed I am with groovy carpet is that uh, when I was in Glasgow a couple of years ago, I went into the library and they hadn't changed their carpet since the 70s. And every floor was different. And I was like the happiest girl in the entire world. Did going you go on take every pictures floor? on every yes. floor? My 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 like lock screen on my phone is the picture of the Glasgow <laughs> Public Library carpet because it's so groovy. Okay, so, okay. So you knew Cuba had had Julia at this carpet. <laughs> Hello, that's hilarious. I, I know. know. Honestly, when as soon as I saw it, I was like, "This looks like your wallpaper." Yeah, it's, um, it's, it's beautiful. Very seventies. So uh, yeah. Lloyd, the bartender, yes. suddenly appears magically magically appears. I was like, "Oh no, ghost bartender!" Ghost oh, bartender no. pouring the, ghost shots. Yeah. Because I'm thinking back at the beginning of the movie too, like when they were first touring the place, they were like, um, they were like ghost ship. He said, this is like a ghost ship. And yeah. I was like, oh no, oh no, oh yeah. no, oh no. There's going to be lots of ghosts in this movie. I felt that as soon as he said that and here we go. Here we go. We're in the bar. Ghost Jack Daniels. Yeah. But he's getting drunk off it and it's, I love Lloyd that he's just the most like quintessential yes sir no sir kind of bartender old timey bartender but it's just there to enable you to like this is what's gonna like destroy you he's like yes drink the elixir into madness yes yes take it sure and he does and he gets wrecked yeah because he i mean and some you know right before lloyd appears he says i would sell my soul for a glass of beer Oh, so basically, yeah, it like, it is. Wow, your 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 price is pretty low for your soul. Hey, when you're like, I feel like if you're if that's your tendencies and that's your you know that's your your poison. Yeah, you've been clean that long, and now you're isolated in the snowed in place. Mm-hmm. You're losing your mind. You probably feel like you need a drink to stable out. 
So yeah, yeah, he's gonna try to sell his soul for that. Uh, so yeah. So then uh, Danny uh, finally gets to go into the infamous room two three seven. Uh, he had tried before and it was locked, but now it's open with that key. It just happens to be hanging there open. I wonder why. I don't know how. Uh, so we don't actually see what he sees this time, uh, mm-hmm. but we do have Jack like, and this intense scene where Jack's having a nightmare and he's kind of screaming and she goes in to wake him up and then he's freaking out and he's screaming at her. And then Danny comes in kind of comatose and has, he's obviously been strangled. Yeah. He comes someone. in with like, yeah, he's got like his deck is, I mean, tore up. Like, he's like just in shock. His shirt, his little, little, little sweet little sweater and shirt are like pulled apart a little and ripped and. And she thinks that Jack did it because who? Well, there's no one else there. Uh, so yeah, you but have Jack this... is was dead asleep, dead asleep. Ah, uh, he was. Uh-huh. Uh huh. And this for me, I think that I wish that there was a little bit more of because for me, the terror of this moment is Wendy realizing, okay, now she's alone, right? She has her son who's gone. He's off in some little la la land, and then you have her husband who's pretty much insane is trying to kill your kid like where do you go what do you do she's by herself there's no yeah so she's trying to figure out how to get the hell out of this place and i feel like wendy even though you know in this version of her she is quite fragile i feel like she's also quite strong even though she's freaking out during all of it she really does have really great final goal instincts and does all of the right stuff absolutely to get away and she has to worry about her kid as well although she does come in now and just kind of fall asleep so i know it's there's trauma i I understand yeah i think it's the stress I think it's probably stress. Your body's just like, oh my God. Yeah, she's like, yeah, completely. It's funny that your body does that. No, yeah, it's shut down. I mean, that's very normal. It's like a fight or flight thing, you know? And you're like, okay. Too much adrenaline and out. And out and your body just overloads. And so, um, and also we get this great moment for uh, little Danny. (laughs) Uh, Uh, It's it's the red rum moment that you guys I'm sure all know about and seeing seeing the pictures of the red rum. Yes. Writing on the wall. Did, Did you know what it meant when he started? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's culturally. That's like in the lexicon. That's one of the few things like I honestly didn't know that it was like really like uh, like a ghost movie, though. Oh, you didn't. I knew it was like murders because the murder. Okay, but I didn't know it was like haunted things and stuff like that. You didn't expect that. And, 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 you Mm -hmm. know, and Jack is this now the ghost uh, has gone full blown where he's at like a huge party now where there's hundreds of ghosts. Oh, yeah. And he gets the advocate spilled on him. And we were like, what the hell is advocate? Yeah. That's like a peachy looking Dutch eggnog. It's just a strange thing for them to be drinking, but that's cool. I'm sure people have shining screenings and they drink advocate. I'm sure it's just because it's an old timey cocktail. I'm sure it's one of those things where we were like, what did they serve in 1921? Yeah. You know, at a place like this to have a fancy party, it would be this weird Dutch thing from Dutch settlement in the mm-hmm. middle of America. You know, uh, and he meets uh, another Grady, Delbert Grady, who says he is not the other Grady, though possibly he is. Kind of, uh, why don't you just uh, get rid of these problems that you have, like your wife and son? And yeah, like just fix it. Yeah, just fix it. I'm like, fix what? Yeah, because he yeah. said that you know they have to be corrected. Yeah, and this is also where they use the N-word. And so I was like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, This took me out for like 20 minutes in the movie. I didn't realize how long this movie was because I was like, dang. And then I was like, later on, I was like, oh, I get it. It's because these are old-timey-ass ghosts. Right. They're old racist ghosts. Yes. So, so on top of everything else, they're I'll, also racist. Yeah, and so I was like, oh, this is not going to be good. I was like, <laughs> don't listen to the old racist ghosts. No. It's not going to go well for you, my friend. <laughs> Do not. Okay. So I'm just letting you guys out there. Don't listen to racist ghosts. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I think that's a good, good to say no. Yeah. Good advice. Uh, so then we also have Dick who is in Miami on his, in yes. his awesome painting. He's got like his sweet pinup girl paintings that are he's so got a sweet ass, beautiful, like African goddess painted above beautiful. his bed. And he's like, 
He looks so happy. He's yeah, like on so his chill. bike. I'm in Florida, not in freaking Colorado right now, enjoying some sunshine. But his shining has a little twinkling that something might be up. Yeah, he knows something is very, very wrong. So and, he tries mm-hmm. to call. They can't get through. And so he's Phone like, lines right. are down still. Tried the radio, calls yes. the cops at the station. Yes. They try to use that radio, that line right. that's open. But no, of course. No, because Jack has freaking busted the freaking radio uh-huh. because he tried to correct things. So he's messed up the snowmobile. Yep. And the radio. So they are truly and totally isolated. Stranded. Um, now, in, in the book as well, uh, Danny is able to kind of mentally call Dick. Uh-huh. Call for help. So mm-hmm. I, I, I think that's a little bit of what's supposed to be happening here is that he can hear Danny's distress. That's what I figured. That's why he got there and got there. So we established that connection earlier. I love Dick Halloran. Just like, all right, I'm getting on the plane and then I'm going to call this guy that I know when I get there. And he's straight got up. a snowmobile and out I go. And like, he's not fucking around. He's going straight out. Driving up the snowmobile. And this is where we get to the moment that I was like, iconic coming up where we have the axe. Now we got the axes in. He's coming, coming towards the family. Like Jack is trying to find his wife and kid. And he's going up the stairs and like hacking up the door to their apartment suite, Mm -hmm. basically, that they've been staying in in this big ass hotel. Wrecks through that door. Um, Mom and kid are in the bathroom trying to get out. They figure out. Only Danny's small enough to get out of the snowed-in window. Oh, my gosh. So he gets out, and then he's heading towards this maze that they've gone in earlier in the film, which I was like, yes, of course, this is why they had to show the maze earlier in the movie, because it's coming back. Um, We get little Danny out the door, but Mom is still stuck in the freaking bathroom. And then we've got the iconic, here's Johnny. That was so much faster than I thought. You guys, this is an iconic cultural moment that I was like, that's it? I literally... (laughs) Yep, he comes in, says a lot. I was like, okay. It's literally two seconds of the movie, mm-hmm. okay? Um, and so I was like, wow, this iconic moment is so short. But I guess it's because people have used, like, it for shorthand and, like, yes. all that stuff. But, but Shelly Duvall is so terrified. It's really about Shelly in the scene, though. Just, I, I'm very, you know, I wish I could disconnect how traumatized she is after yes. this. Yes. Yeah. I wish I could believe that it was just acting in this moment, but it's also just her, like, really being... Losing it. Yeah. And that makes me a little bit sad. Yeah. Uh, but it is... Uh, so Danny now is running out through the maze. We, Dick has out come in. Snow. yeah. And uh, is trying to find them, trying to save them. Dick is... Dick's wandering the hotel and gets... Axed in the chest. Yep. Hacked in the heart. Which is interesting, because he does not die in the book. I was wondering. Mm-hmm. I was like, why does he have to die right now? No, he doesn't. He's so useful. Mm-hmm. And so, he has the shining. He should know that it's coming. Yes, he should. Which makes no sense to me. I honestly was like, why did he die right here? Yeah, and I'm sure Stephen King was saying the exact <laughs> same thing. He was like, hey, what? Like, he doesn't need to die. But you know, he, but he does. It, it, Not all the black people have to he, die in the movies, you guys. Uh, that's true. But he does save them because he does bring he's the, the one who brought the, He brought the working snowmobile. Thank goodness. No, I knew. I was like, he's there for a reason. They yes. need to get out. Um, so Danny's running through the, the maze. The freaking maze in the snow. Yes. This little child in the snow in his cute little sweater running through the maze. But he realizes the footprints situation in snow is happening. So, so smart. smart. So he figures out how to like hide his footprints and like creates these crazy tracks. So then Jack gets in this maze trying to hunt him down. He has lost his heck, which yes. is great. He's like speaking in tongues. Like he's not even he's not even speaking English anymore. He's just yelling gibberish. He's so insane. incoherent with the acts. And I found him so incredibly hot, which is really a problem during this. Wow. Movie. Really? Yeah. Sorry, guys. During this scene? Yeah, I don't know. I, it's You know, maybe it's because he's just such a good actor. And I was like, damn, he went there. <laughs> if I had someone that committed to finding me out there, wow. I don't know. We'd probably date. It's probably why I'm single still right now. I don't know. Terry Gamble, you're adorable. Choice is not um, great. But I love that Danny Danny figures out the footprints, which is so smart. Yes. And, and then then his footprints 
are now the breadcrumbs that he they mentioned earlier to get out mm-hmm. where he now he can find his way out and back to his find finds his mom and there's the joyful reunion and they're okay the beautiful moment i know i love it when she they see each other that's like the part anyway that i just was just oh beautiful and jack but then i was like get the hell off the fucking mountain now yeah yeah, but you know, and also, the, but you think about like how far away are they from civilization? How fast does a snowmobile go? And they're in like normal clothes. They don't have jackets. They have nothing. Yeah, but you know what? Their adrenaline right now, like their survival instincts, have got to kick in. Yeah, you know, and and they I, I, you know, they got to get off that mountain. And they do. Yeah, they win. Uh, but Jack, however, frozen solid. Yeah. The next morning. Yeah. So uh, the other big difference. To stay with all his ghosts. Yes, and this similar as Nell from The mm-hmm. Haunting, where now mm-hmm. he's he's felt welcome, and we have the picture of him. He has been there always. He's always he was been always there. the character. Yeah, he's in that 1920s picture, and I was like, what? Yes. That's when my mind went a little bit like, oh, okay, you were always a creepy ghost. Yeah. Inside, inside, you mm-hmm. belonged there. You found your home. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so the other, the other really big difference is instead of uh, is in the end of the book, the overlook uh, explodes. Um, because they have this whole thing in the Thank book God, where he's going that down. That thing needs to not be there. <laughs> it goes. He goes down and he has to keep dumping the boiler to make the boiler gets too hot. Oh and yeah, like I was wondering thing. how they're heating that place. Uh-huh. There's like, I saw the firewood at the beginning and stuff too, but I was like, you're going to need more than that firewood. That place looks massive. Yes. So and depending on what part you're trying to heat, boiler explodes. The hotel explodes. Big da da ending. So uh, Stephen King was like, hey. Where's the big the Where's the, yeah. But I like this ending. I, 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 I like that it just ends like, oh, he's dead. And now picture. You're like, okay. Yeah. Everything comes together. Um, yeah. So you've watched The Shining. Now I, off the list. Off I the mean, list. I've literally watched like all the AFI 100, like greatest movies. This is like one I've just, I, didn't, I don't know. Was it as, as stupendous as you, you thought it would be? Um, no, it was okay. great. It was beautifully shot. It's beautifully done. I'm not going to like knock any of that. Sure. Like, I know it's like, I'm sorry, you don't hate me out there, like Twitter and everybody. Hey man, you're welcome um, to your opinion. I, I really enjoyed it. I like so many of his other movies like better. Okay. I like pretty much everything else that he's ever done. Like I'm, I love like, you know, 2001. Like I love like Clockwork. Like, yeah. but. Okay. I would say this and Clockwork Orange would probably be my favorite humorous. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's still a little cold for me. Um, I like a little more passion in my filmmaker and I feel like it's technically astounding. Yeah. But the heart isn't really there. That's my feeling. Sounds like a Stephen King assessment. Oh, fancy that's, car with no engine. Yeah, that's exactly the same. That's what it is. It's missing that like. Yes. Like I, I was like, I was like, you can't be mad at any of these shots. Like it's freaking like it's it's film school. I get yeah. why like everyone wants to watch it. It's beautiful. Um, but I was like, okay. What I didn't realize is how long it was. I looked at the time after. I was mm-hmm. like, it was like two and a half hours. And oh, I realized, was it? It's like two hours, it's two hours and 26 minutes or oh, something. Wow. It feels so much shorter. Mm-hmm. It feels faster. So I was like, okay, well then there's something about being like lulled into it that like, I didn't even realize like how much time had gone, how by. Much time had gone by. So yeah. Okay. So yeah. Uh, so let's uh, do our gore factor. Yeah. Uh, so one is not enough blood to fill a Dixie cup. Two is a puddle of blood. Three is enough blood to gross out the average viewer. Four is a bathtub of blood. Five is run for the barf bag. Uh, and this gets a five uh, for an elevator full, full of, of freaking blood. blood going down a hallway gushing down because that's more than a bathtub. It's that's a five more plus, than a really. bathtub. But would you run for the barf bag? Seems applicable. I, I don't mean, think I needed to run for the bar. It's so pretty. <laughs> it is. But we, we also have shots of you know the twins being like bloody and dismembered. You right. have uh, the one of the uh, ghosts has yeah. the. Oh, we didn't talk about. I'm sorry. Can we just mention? Yeah, the fucking weird bear shot. 
remember there's like the bear with his ass cut out of the back of the thing oh, and there's yes, a crazy are, zoom sorry, yeah the plushy furry moment yes. okay so it was weird because i was like oh like it's it's like this felt like like a eyes wide shut like right. pre- prelude that's all i got for that do you know what i mean though of like a weird kink party that he's just like we've got to throw like a minute of, a moment of kink just yeah. for you all um it's perplexing and delightful it's it, it is, is delightful of, it is kind of scary because you're like what the fuck is that you're like, oh, it's just like, it's just like plushy ghosts. I honestly was like, oh, cool. Um, that might have been one of my favorite moments. That was more exciting than the Here's Johnny, obviously, because that was anticipated. So okay. I was like, oh, random. Mm-hmm. Very random. But uh, um, <laughs> movie rating. Sorry, yeah. I had to mention the bear. No, I'm so glad you did. Okay. I feel like that was a miss. I totally had that. I should have highlighted that in my note because <laughs> that was like, to me, a moment. I was like, ooh, kinky. <laughs> eyes wide shut. Because that's I like eyes wide shut. I'm one of those people who really like that. And I, I felt like it was like a little nod to that um, prelude. Um, well, yeah, I gave it a four movie uh, overall. Okay. You didn't mm-hmm. go through them. You got to read the movie ratings. Oh, sorry. Now. Shoot. Yes. Okay. Well, I'll read them then. Uh, yes, well, zero to five chainsaws. One, if you're desperate. Two, barely qualifies as a horror film. Three, seen worse, seen better. Four, not too shabby. Five, fantastical. So you did four, not too shabby. Yeah. I did five, fantastical. And that's The Shining. Yeah. Uh, so next week, we'll be uh, doing a, a newer film uh, that, you know, we're, we're branching out. And this is very exciting. And this is one that I was excited to see. Uh, Happy Death Day. Yeah coming out in theaters and everything the, or new, the just, sequels yeah. coming out in theaters yeah. uh, and I hadn't seen the original and everyone I had talked to said it was fun so I wanted to give it a watch so I did and we're going to talk about it next week yeah we can't wait to share it with you guys happy death day almost happy death day almost thank you for listening and please check us out on all of we're on all of the same yeah. Instagram uh, Twitter Facebook we'd love to hear from you what you think about The Shining yeah give us a little shout out in the iTunes if you want to give us a rating it helps other people find us we love that and you can welcome Terry to the horror hound fold because she is being enveloped in ow, it ow. as we speak see you next week guys <laughs>